This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Lynx and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yeah. dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to break down the Sanderson Farms Championship along with Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar in just a few moments. This week, we're coming from the Country Club of Jackson as we make our way all the way from Rome, Italy to Jackson, Mississippi, the second of seven events in the FedEx Cup fall, and we're rolling in hot. Nick and I both had Europe at plus 180 or higher to win the Ryder Cup. That cashed. Spencer had Max Homa at 11 to 1, his top U.S. Ryder Cup point score. That cashed. And by the way, Spencer, we forgot to mention this on the Ryder Cup pod last week, but you hit on Sahith Digala outright at the Fortinet. Not a new season of the PGA Tour. It's kind of a purgatory between last season and this season, only for the players outside of the top 50 on the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup standings. But the bets still cash. They pay the same. So after hitting on Thigala, Spencer, you got honors on the tee. What is your best bet for the Sanderson Farms Championship, also known as the Chicken Championship? I don't have a massive card this week. Like I obviously always like to go to the head-to-head market for where I release my best bet. Didn't see a ton of value there. I thought most of the pricing was pretty good. A lot of the players near the top, I didn't have any egregious differences for the most part, but uh, there was one number that is is really just a price grab at the end of the day. I'll talk about it more in a second, but Grayson Sig plus 120 over Luke List. You can find that over on Bet365. All right, Grayson Sig over Luke List. Luke List, if you're a fan of his, you know he can't putt. So we'll see if Spencer's going to try to capitalize on that weakness for List here. Nick, what's your best bet for the Sanderson Farms Championship? Extremely light card for me this week. I'm waiting for the top 40 matchups to open up throughout, but I'm going to go with Tom Hogue to win at 60-1. to 1. Give me a little fairway finder in Tom Hogue. Oh, Tom Hoagie. I like him. Uh, I'll, I'll discuss him later on in the podcast, so we'll come back to that later. Hoagie, and... that's right. I butchered it already. Sorry. We're in, uh, we're in the fall swing form right now. My apologies <laughs> to Tom Hoagie out there. Um, but yeah, Tom Hoagie, my apologies there. So we're riding with Tom Hoagie. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, after Nick gives his best bet as well. And for my best bet, I'm going with the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman, plus 320 for a top 30. But before I break that down, Spencer, why do you like Grayson Sig over Luke List? I think this is one of those spots where my model is going to be way against the grain. Like, if you look throughout the space, List has ballooned out as a reasonable favorite in most matchups in the industry. The recent form is going to look good after posting six made cuts in seven events. That includes five top 35 finishes during that run. Although I'm going to say like the thing that keeps driving me back to this is I'm really concerned of what happens to his game here when you get rid of that immense distance that he adds. It's kind of a lack of appeal elsewhere. 
He ranked uh, 95th in my model for expected scoring at this venue. Much of that will stem from the inferior par 5 totals for me that place him outside the top 100. That problem extended further when highlighting his short game woes. You were just talking about that, Roberto. That guy's on all surfaces. But here on a fast Bermuda and then the Donald Ross history, it even gets worse for him. Like, we know the the putter is going to be a problem on any surface. But the fact that he experienced a 24-spot decrease here in his baseline with the putter on any course to what he's going to get here on fast Bermuda, that just really hurts the appeal for me when, you know, like the long distance is really the only thing that he adds here. And I think he also loses some of that long distance iron appeal. So for what he adds in the one area, he loses elsewhere. Sig is definitely going to be a golfer that's historically been boom or bust. Don't usually love that for a wager in this market, but I'm going to chalk it up to the six made cuts in eight starts, his ninth place finish here last year. I think all of those are a good sign of potential since the data loves him on these easier scoring tracks. I made this closer to minus 130. Uh, we're only talking about a 56% hit rate, but it's a substantial advantage for a wager that only needs to hit 46% of the time to be profitable. So it's a number grab at the end of the day. I thought there was a substantial difference when, you know, I have one guy almost if you flip the odds here of what the odds should have been with Sig being the favorite. All right, so wrong guys favored in that matchup. I like that one. Nick, why do you like TCU Horn Frog Tom Hoagie this week? Yeah, it's uh it's a little bit of a number grab, like Spencer said. And if that guy gives out a a matchup, you take it right now. Spencer is is hot. He's in midseason form as I am not, as I've already butchered the guy that I'm most exposed to in the betting market this week. But Tom Hoagie coming off a spike week over in Europe with the iron play. And that's usually what we're going to get from him. So when I ran my numbers, it's really valuing approach play from 50 to 150 yards. So those very short to mid iron game or uh, yeah, very short to short irons, I should say, for these tour players. He's going to hit a ton of fairways. Strokes gained off the tee is going to be important. And what I like most about him is he's coming off the best putting season of his PGA career. If we can get that flat stick rolling consistently, I think this is a guy that you know should be right around the 35 to 45 range here in the outright market so to get 60 to 1 i had him priced at 52 so only about eight points of value there but really on this board and especially with the odds that we have out there with kind of a unproven field it's it's pretty tough to find value in the outright market in my opinion so i will ride with tom hoagie there and if he misses a green he's one of the better short uh, short game players in this field with those semi Donald Ross like runoffs. So I, I trust him here. I think this is a really good spot for him to start off his PGA season. I love that bet. I'm all, I'm already on it. I bet it at 50 to one, but if I can find 60 to one, might put a couple other, uh, put another sprinkle on it as well. And looking at Spencer's sheet, Hoagie ranks first in several key metrics. You mentioned yes, 50 does. to 150 yards. Uh, he's first in proximity from hundred to 150 yards. He's first in overall weighted proximity. And he's first in strokes gain total easy scoring, which we know very important here. You're going to need to make birdies. Um, I'll save it for Spencer's tournament preview, but or course preview. But we know that there are going to be certain holes that you need to take advantage of. And I think Tom Hoagie is well positioned to do just that. Um, another course that you need to score well on on some short par fours, Pebble Beach. And Tom Hoagie picked up his first career PGA Tour win at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am over in 2022, so we know he can get the job done. We know he's already a winner on tour. I like that one a lot. Um, and going to my best bet with Charlie Hoffman, plus 320 for a top 30. Once again, going to hit you on the head with these with these most important proximities uh, from 100 to 150 yards and then outside of 200 yards on the four par fours because 
for the first time on the PGA Tour in a little while. We got four par fives um, on the golf course. So those are going to be key holes to take advantage of. And looking at Charlie Hoffman, might not have heard too much about him this year on the PGA Tour, but he's third on the tour in weighted proximity from 100, or, or excuse me, in proximity from 125 to 150 yards, which leads this field. He's 27th from 100 to 125 yards on the entire PGA Tour. And overall, from 100 to 150 yards in this field, he's third per Spencer Sheet. And then also from over 200 yards out, he's fifth on the PGA Tour, which is fourth in this field. Also fifth from outside of 275 yards on the entire PGA Tour and third from 225 to 250 yards. So he's going to be a guy who, when he has a wedge or a short in his, in his hands, can be dangerous, but also on those par fives, even if he's a little bit farther back, can also get in with four or fewer and make birdies take advantage of those holes. Additionally, he's got awesome course history here. He's played here six times, never missed a cut. Some of those go back all the way to the mid-2000s, so I'm not going to put too much emphasis on that. But he's played here three of the last four years. And in those three starts, top 40s all, four, all three times. And that includes a tie for sixth in 2020. Ultimately, he's gained strokes on approach in 10 of his last 13 events as well. So he's got really strong form. I like the weighted proximities. I like his history on this golf course. He should be in... He should be about half the price. And I love him in all markets this week. Uh, the ones that I particularly am betting Hoffman the most, I like the top 30 at plus 320 for a little bit of safety. But if you want to be more bold, I've also bet him at 14 to 1 for top 10. He's 33 to 1 for a top 5. I've never bet anybody at 30 plus 1 for a top 5 before, but I might do it this week. And you can also find him plus 190 for a top 40. But I bet him for top 30 at, th at plus 320 and 14 to 1 for top 10. and I did sprinkle him at 200 to one outright as well. So before we get to our outright betting cards, Spencer, let's go through our tournament or our course preview for the Country Club of Jackson here in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, I think it's a unique venue to try and handicap from either a DFS or gambling perspective. We have seen all sorts of players win here historically at this Donald Ross course that was recreated by John Fott and Mike Gogol in 2008. That duo kept most of the Ross principles that you would expect from one of his facilities. I think that probably helps paint a more straightforward picture since Ross's designs are incredibly transferable from stop to stop. Nick kind of talked about it a second ago when discussing the runoffs that you get here. Uh, players will be required to work the ball in both directions off the tee. Missing to the correct side of the fairway is paramount to success since the field will only hit the short grass 53% of the time. A lot of that pushes numerical builds into probably more of that bomb and gouge mentality since a short iron in hand is how you score at this venue. Uh, that fact will remain accurate no matter how you want to run the data for the week, but I think it's a peculiar nature of the layout for, for a couple reasons here. And uh, this is one of the most pronounced differences that I've seen in quite some time. So there is a five hole stretch and it's the four par fives that Roberto just talked about. And then the singular par four 15th, that's going to be 330 yards there. Those five holes account for nearly 59% of the projected production allotment. So 27% of the holes making up 59% of what you need to win this tournament. Like that doesn't suggest other Rangers won't still play of the utmost importance. You have five holes that have over, uh, a 20% bogey or worse rate. So I'm still okay diving deeper into any of those par four scoring ranges for from, you know, 450 plus yards 
Um, I think the par threes are lengthy, the par fours that we're talking about, but these are really the, the locations where you want to try to avoid mistakes before you can attack the more gettable locations of those five setups that I talked about. So uh, weighted scoring from that answer, recalculated strokes gain total. That is mostly where I'm at with my model this week. Like anytime we talk about bomb and gouge and, and you kind of get a facility that resembles this, I do think distance is going to play and help some of these names that I'm backing, but there were options that snuck through who play with more of that plotter's mentality. And I kind of think that's why we've seen players like a Mackenzie Hughes or, or somebody more along that sort of a grain that has won this tournament before. So um, distance obviously helps, but I would not be running a model and saying that if you are not long, you cannot win here. There are a lot of different ways to find success, whether that be being able to have a short iron in hand and scramble your way up or down, or, you know, it's a second shot course at the end of the day. So I think that zero to 150 yard range that all of us have talked about so far really will help propel those guys like a Tom Hoagie or a Charlie Hoffman, which would be your guys' best bets. Love it. I think we're all on the same page here. So, uh, well, Nick, I'll go to you. Is there anything you'd like to add from a modeling perspective on the country club of Jackson? No, I guess maybe the only other thing that I was looking for, I did kind of weigh the uh, the bomb and gouge type of players, like a like a Peter Quest, and who else was up there for? Uh, I mean, kind of graded Keith Mitchell pretty high. I know we always I talk always about do. Keith Mitchell. Yeah. I know, but this I don't. I just don't know how to read him here in this field. I, I guess my question to you guys, like obviously Ludwig's going to be number one in probably everybody's model. Anything that you guys run, any data, any sports book, he is going to have the highest implied probability to win this thing. Do you think this is his tournament to lose? Or do you think, you know, coming off the Ryder Cup, uh, like, I don't know. I kind of just look at this guy like he's got something to prove and he's going to make a statement this whole PGA Tour year. Because he obviously is one of the best ball strikers on, on the planet right now. And his swing is so damn pretty. But I try to just find a way to beat him and go like, bombers when i look at like davis thompson he graded pretty high for me good again i kind of ran it two ways the guys that are shorter but elite mid to short iron players that hit a bunch of fairways they graded very high for me but guys that are bombers that could still get it up and down from within 100 yards i think they got a lot of value here as well yeah i guess i'll take the first part of that question nick um i don't know i i think it's an interesting spot with him he's obviously coming over from europe i don't know what the travel does to a young kid there i mean we've seen it before with sungjae where he's traveled across the country and all of a sudden he lost his game for what felt like two months there I, i'm probably in my own little world here where i don't think he should be the favorite in this tournament um that is a bold statement Ooh. to make for how high end of a golfer that he is and how much that i do love his off the tee acumen that he brings to the table I worry a little bit about the irons. I guess that would be one of the concerns. And uh, my model seems to have a major issue with one player. I mean, there's more than one player, but one player specifically in this tournament that just continuously keeps popping on my sheet. And that to me is the golfer that I would put as the favorite. But I mean, obviously Ludwig is right in that range of whether you're talking about, you know, a him, Steven Yeager, Eric Cole, Emiliano Grillo, if you want to push a Keith Mitchell up there, that's where I do think like you can change the pricing, you can change the names. Like those are the five projected favorites. And I think most models that you run should have them as the top five. It's just the order can be different and the prices, what what you find to be accurate can be different there. But uh no, Ludwig is not number one for me this week. 
Spencer, did you have the data for Ludwig for the last three European tour starts that he made? I do not run European data uh, whatsoever inside of my model. So obviously, if you add that, um, I think there's such different courses that I have always at least personally found it to be very difficult to insert it just because it, it makes a massive difference for courses that just play uh, vastly different than what we get on an American course. Um, maybe that's a mistake for somebody that we have limited data on to begin with. And like, obviously he hasn't played that many tournaments in the USA to begin with. So any sample size that we're talking about would be probably too small in reality for what he is. And maybe that's where it's pushing the iron numbers in the wrong direction for me. But uh, I, he's an elite talent. Like, I guess it's just when it comes down to it, there's more reasons than not that I can talk myself out of not wanting to bet him at 12 to one or whatever price that you can actually get in the space right now, or whatever the best number would be. Then a reason that I would want to back him at that price. It's really hard to win on the PGA tour. It doesn't mean that this isn't where he gets his first victory. He's clearly one of the favorites to do so, but I would rather make a, you know, I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, but like a 20, 21 year old kid, whatever he actually has beat me in this spot. Couple things. He's 22. Second, we discussed this at the end of the PGA Tours regular season because he wasn't eligible for the playoffs. He is a generational driver of the golf ball. He you is. mentioned how beautiful his swing is, and it's going to be awesome for a long time. He's like a poor man's Will Gordon, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him later. Aubert, um, we mentioned in the Wyndham Championship preview that this guy's going to be awesome. He's going to win on the PGA Tour. It's a question of when he figures out the irons. And it seems that he figures figured out the irons in a couple weeks after that at those three European tour stops. Uh, prior to those three European tour stops, he had started on the PGA Tour seven times and he gained strokes on approach one time, just once, uh, which is why Spencer doesn't love his approach numbers because he doesn't have the data from the European Tour where the last three starts, he went off and, and specifically in the last two, where he gained over one and a half strokes on approach. And then he gained uh, just over one stroke on approach per round uh, when he finished first and 10th in two big time events, the Omega European Masters and the BMW PGA Championship. So I think those data points are important. They show that he does have a high ceiling on approach as well, which is something that I just didn't know because we didn't have data because he'd only played in seven tournaments. Um, so just not having that data beforehand was key why I wasn't on him. I'm still not betting him at 12, 10 to one this week, but if he was 15 to one, I think I would just have him as a lone dart on my card. And if you want to do that this week, if you're really bullish on a bear or sorry, Aubert, I don't blame you. I don't think it's the worst play. I think that long-term he is the best golfer in this field by a pretty considerable margin. I'm just not sure. I don't love the spot. We talk about spots in like NFL college football a lot. I don't love the spot for him right after the Ryder Cup, especially with the Ryder Cup win. We know he was partying probably throughout Sunday, maybe even into Monday. Going to be a tough turnaround, a little bit of a letdown. I don't love the spot for him. If he was just coming off of those European starts or European tour starts, I might be more uh, prone to bet on him with that lone dart at 12, 15 to 1 this week. But haven't seen him at higher than 12 to 1, so it's a pass for me. But enough talking about guys we don't have on our cards. Spencer, why don't you get us started? Probably not a surprise to you guys. I seem to do this every single show when he's in a tournament, but I grabbed Steven Yeager early in the week at 25 to one. I know he's more in that 20 to one range now for whatever it's worth. I still think that there's kind of value in that spot, but 
I've been a broken record here with him. Like the lack of upside has been pronounced for a golfer who leads the field with 14 consecutive made cuts, but only has one of those results that has landed in the top 10. That's not necessarily ideal for a name that has dropped even lower into this 20 to one zone as of us recording here on Tuesday. But uh, I noticed very similar outlooks that resembled what I saw from Sahit Tagala at the Fortinet. Obviously, the portions of the game that are going to need help are going to be different. These are two, in my opinion, completely different players. But Jaeger's potential may come down to a putter that has started to show random outbursts of life. The goal had the opposite difference when you look at his irons trending for him, plus the height and upside when handicapping the projected proximity ranges at Silverado. Uh, that isn't going to be Jaeger's problem since he's gained off the tee in 10 of his past 12 starts and with his irons in 7 of 8. But the fact that the putter has earned strokes in 6 of his last 9 tournaments is a huge contrast to earlier in the year. We saw him drop shots to the field in 10 straight events from the beginning to the middle of 2023. Uh, there's a secondary upside return that happens when you realize Jaeger experiences a 25-spot improvement on this specific fast Bermuda surface over what his one-year baseline at any generic course on tour would be. All of that for me, you guys, just makes this a spot where if he can be neutral or better with that portion of his game, I think the venue suits him well to get across the finish line. It's obviously asking a lot for a guy that's not posting these top 10s. That's the one difference with the Gala is he had been flirting over and over again there for what felt like a couple of months before he got across. Maybe this is a spot where Jaeger can't get himself across the finish line, but weaker tournament, uh, we can all talk about that, that if I am talking about Aubert being a player that I'm a little bit lower on and all of a sudden now Jaeger is a guy who's seen a boost in my sheet. It, it really shifts the percentages of the win equity for me. So I grabbed him at 25 to 1, took Ben Griffin at 50 to 1. I'm pretty sure I've gotten burned at every fast Bermuda course with him in 2023. There have been multiple situations over the past six months of this outcome resulting in a miscut. Uh, I am very proud of myself and I do want to say this, that I am not... And maybe this is where he wins, but I am not falling for this Alex Norin trap this time around because usually Griffin and Norin are the two guys. You put them on fast Bermuda on one of these easy scoring courses. They just propel up my model. It, it happened again. My concern with Norin would be the par five scoring. That's the one thing that always continuously holds them back. And I kind of ignore that during these tournaments. Uh, I think Norin's going to be good. I say that every single week. I'm just, I don't think I can realistically come on another action network show and say that Alex Noren is going to win for like at least 2024. So I decided to get my exposure to Griffin. I haven't gone down this road as many times. The proximity ranges from zero to 150 yards for him generated a 42 spot improvement. Rest of the iron play has some problems, but it's a really big increase for him on this grass specific fit. Took Dylan Wu at 66 to one. I know he is extremely popular this week. Uh, on a lot of people's betting cards and in the DFS market. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about it, though. He had very similar uh, upside trajectories that I talked about with the Gala at the Fortinet. The putter ranked him first over the last 24 rounds. That helped to propel him to second in expected weighted scoring inside of my sheet. It, it could be a spot for him to realize all that potential after he's generated two top 14 results in his past three appearances on tour. And then I don't think I've ever bet this guy in my entire life. I'm usually trying to find a reason to bet against him. Nick knows this firsthand that this player has cost me more money than maybe any golfer ever just because I, during the match play contest, I kept betting against him over and over and over and over again, and he kept winning. But I think Kevin Kisner at 350 to one is kind of intriguing this week. Like there's a projected increase in proximity 
Uh, you're going to get that from a zero to 150 yards. We've seen him historically rank as a top 10 caliber option on Donald Ross courses. That long-term data can only go so far for a golfer. That seems to be going through every problem imaginable right now. But there's something to be said about the 10th place grade for expected weighted strokes gain total that he did deliver inside of my sheet. Uh, I would probably say the best way to play him would be in the placement market or in a GPP contest, just because there you're shooting for that upside that is probably not going to result in actual win. And you might still be able to get it like, I'll talk about him later as a top 30 bet where you can get a really hefty price on him. Uh, but I thought at 350 to one, I will throw a dart on the board here. If he misses the cut, it's a super low exposure wager that uh, I'm willing to take a chance that maybe he's found something here over the past couple weeks and he can get his game back together. I like that play specifically because we don't have a lot of data to go off of here in the fall swing. A lot of these guys haven't played outside of the Fortinet since the Wyndham. So who knows? Maybe if there is a change in form and we see guys who played well throughout the summer who play poorly in the fall just because they fall out of some part of their game, but vice versa, they can figure something out. And we've seen throughout the last decade that Kevin Kisner is a legitimate PGA Tour golfer. Yes, he's not the longest off the tee, but when he gets that putter rolling and he, when he dials in those short irons, he can be dangerous on the right course. This is one of those right courses, and the number is too big. He isn't the safest golfer. He could finish DFL this week, yeah. but he does have it in him to win, unlike a majority of the guys who are going to be priced in that similar range. That's essentially the mentality behind it. I like it. Uh, Nick, who else you got on your card besides Tom Hoagie? Uh don't think we could say his name, but <laughs> Spencer talked about him. I did take the bait at 70 to 1 on Alex Norin because my price is at 61. So eight points of value on Hoagie and nine points of value on Norin. That is my only exposure in the outright market right now. And I don't want to talk about him anymore because it's uh, it's bad luck to talk about him on the show. So let's just pass. We'll move forward. If he wins, we'll be heroes and people will forget about that Augusta debacle and we move on with life. Nick, I have legitimately done it about four times now. Like it's past the masters for me. I've done it in every <laughs> single tournament and it's been my all in situation. So maybe oh, so me bad. being off of this will result in a win for him. Hey, well, I'd rather you be on it right now because everything you touch right now turns to gold. So go ahead in pod play. Roberto, fire up the drums. Let's take Norin. It's a lot. <laughs> um, He's a good I, fit. I forgot to mention this in the intro, but um, in my best bet for the Fortnite championship, we did take down we did take down Webb Simpson in the matchup. Uh, he missed the cut for us. Easy win. So we've also got that love going. That. But I love um, that about you boys. I'm I'm sad I missed that one. <laughs> we faded faded Webb without me. Easy dub. Um. All right. Getting back on track here. Going to my outright card. So I have my long shot in Charlie Hoffman at 200 to one, whom we discussed. Uh, we discussed Tom Hoagie 50 to one on my card as well. Uh, J Jason Sobel, our colleague here at the Action Network, check out his work on the Action app, um, on the other Ac uh, Action Network links and locks best bets podcast with Ben Everill. Check him out. He called this one the osmosis play of the week. Sam Ryder outright. I got him at 50 to one. He was on all of the commercials for the Ryder Cup this weekend, and I saw him hit more golf shots than everybody else on throughout the weekend. I, it, it's, it was unbelievable. Uh, the players aren't even getting paid, and the commercials were terrible. Uh, back to golf. Sam Ryder, on fire, on approach, third in this field in approach play over the last 24 rounds. He's got a really strong putter, fourth in strokes gain putting in this field, 11th on fast Bermuda per Spencer Sheet, and overall, fourth in strokes gain total. 
eighth in weighted scoring, ninth in proximity from 100 to 155 yards. Overall, he's fifth in weighted proximity. He's a guy who fits this pitch and putt kind of formula where he can hit the fairways, even though he's not super long off the tee. He's on fire on approach, and his putter has huge upside. That's going to be a common theme throughout my card, in addition to Tom Hoagie also fitting that profile. I got a little bit more aggressive than I normally do. I played Eric Cole at 20-1. to 1. I think he's got a chance to win in this fall. We know he's a winner, mini tour legend over at the, he's a mini tour legend and he knows how to win over 60 wins on his, on his mini tour career. And right now he's in incredible form. He is second in weighted proximity, sixth overall in proximity from hundred to 150 yards in this field, third in weighted scoring in this field. Uh, Spencer also had him fourth in strokes gain total for easy scoring golf courses and he's hot right now. Five straight top 30 finishes, gain, gain strokes on approach in nine straight tournaments. So he's got a really high floor. He's a safe player. He's also gained strokes on approach in 25 of his last 28 tournaments on the PGA Tour. And Cole, he's a rookie on the PGA Tour at 35 years old. But in his first three starts on the PGA Tour, it was a nightmare. Missed the cut in all three, lost strokes on approach in all three. But in those 28 tournaments since those first three, only lost strokes on approach three times. So what a turnaround, turnaround for him after a rough start. And he's also third in strokes gained putting in this field. And one thing I should have mentioned earlier is that this is a course where the greens are super pure on these Bermuda grass surfaces. And we've seen players win with a lot of putting involved in their wins at the Country Club of Jackson. That's why I'm playing players whom, yeah, they are good with their short irons, but if they hit it to 12, 15 feet and they knock those in instead of knocking it to five inside 10 feet, perhaps... These guys can take advantage, and if they get hot, they can win. So I like Ryder, Hoagie, and as you mentioned, Nick, Hoagie in the best putting season of his PGA Tour career by a mile. Eric Cole, elite putter, elite on approach on these short irons. And then, yeah, he's the only guy who made it to the BMW Championship this year in the FedEx Cup playoffs who didn't rank in the top half of the PGA Tour in strokes in driving distance and driving accuracy. So it's a unique spot for him. And this is a unique spot that's similar to Sahit Tigala. Tigala finished in the top 50 of the FedEx Cup standings, which means that he doesn't need to play a single one of these FedEx Cup fall events because he's already locked into all of the signature events for next year, locked into the majors. Doesn't matter. But Eric Cole also in that same scenario. So why does he want to play this week if he's really got nothing to quote unquote play for besides the prize money this week and pride? He wants to win. He played in the Honda Classic, lost in a playoff. He was out playing a mini tour tournament the next week, which he won. This guy's a grinder. He's out here to win, and he's not here for FedEx Cup points. He's not playing for second, third, anything. doesn't matter to him. He's going for the win. I like how he plays aggressively, and I think he's got a great chance this week. So I'm firing my dart on him at 20-1. to 1. And I reserve the right to hop on Dylan Wu at the end of this podcast as my in-pod play because you mentioned, Spencer, number one in... Strokes game putting over the last 24 rounds. I love that a lot. I think he's really strong on these short irons as well. He fits that formula that I'm kind of playing right now, and I think I got room on my card. So you know what? Let's add him right now. Dylan Wu, 55 to 1. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I like Kalen Wolf. He's in my DFS lineup right now, too, so let's fire it up. I will say it's kind of amazing how similar all of our cards are this week. Like, I feel like this is the most in tune that we've probably been in a really long time. Whether or not that's a good thing, you know, remains to be seen here, but... All those names that either you guys are on or I'm on, I guess, which obviously if I made the wager, then it's going to be somebody that I'm on. But all the guys that you guys mentioned would be the names that just got cut for me. Like, I think Eric Cole's very intriguing outright bet. Uh, I will say this. Uh, obviously, we're coming to Vegas here next week. Keep that guy far away from me because I'll end up on a course with him and he'll take me for everything that I'm worth. So <laughs> I, I don't want that to happen with Eric Cole. But like, if you take Cole... You take Alex Norin, um, Keith Mitchell. We talked about him. Sam Ryder. I do think the one name that maybe hasn't been mentioned, Davis Riley. I very much consider Davis Riley here as a boomer bust sort of play. That I think makes a lot of sense as an outright bet. But um, yeah, I kept it as a four-man card. I technically would have room if I did decide to add somebody else. But I don't think I can go down that Norin route again. It's just it's too painful for me at this point. I think Riley's an interesting upside play, a guy who could finish dead last. But... We know he has the upside throughout that 2022 season. It was really awesome. This year, not great. Sprinkled in a random win at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, which, shocking, honestly. Um, but a guy whom I think, similar to Kevin Kisner, has shown that he has higher upside than a lot of the guys in his odds range to win outright this week. So I think you can make a lot worse bets than on Davis Riley, a guy whom I put money on on a weekly basis to win outright in 2022. Fellas, any other plays on your cards? I've, I'm done with my card. So, uh, Spencer, I'll send it to you. Yeah, I just have two more. So, I've talked about Kevin Kisner. I got him at plus 650 to land a top 30. I thought that was a really good number grab. Like, yeah, he might come in dead last place here, but I, I, I thought that was a really good price from what we were getting. And then I took Dylan Wu for a top 20 at plus 275. He was the most extensive climber in my model for weighted scoring over his baseline projection. Uh, that Kisner play, just to to have something to base off of. We talk a lot about units and exposure and, and what we're on. So I'll give my numbers here because it's a little bit bigger than I normally bet these. I bet Kisner 0.40 units to win 2.6. So that's a massive hit, obviously, if Kisner comes through. I bet Dylan Wu 0.50 units to win 1.38. Don't normally have such a top-heavy card when I construct. Uh, that means it's going to be more of a boomer bust outcome that if this doesn't come together, it's obviously more likely that this is going to turn into I lose a couple of units rather than this like break even thing. And if it comes together, you know, a Kisner hit alone all of a sudden can really start propelling this card up for me. But um, I thought that was the best way to play this event. So obviously there's a lot of volatility in this market with players that are not necessarily accustomed to being near the top of the board in these spots. So kind of tried to find the players that I like that I thought were mispriced in a Kisner and a Dylan Wu there and kind of attack them for a little bit bigger than I normally would. I've got one player whom I kind of want to brainstorm with you guys a bet on, and that's Scott Stallings, what I think is a big time buy low spot. He loves his golf course, played here eight consecutive seasons, won here in 2012, and 
in his last six starts here, again, in the last six tournaments that have been played here, top 43, five out of those six times, top 13, two out of the last three. And he's a guy who has really struggled this season on the PGA Tour. Uh, tons of missed cuts. I think he had eight missed cuts in a row between April and June this year and was in Luke List territory with the putter, which is not where you want to find yourself. Uh, one of the worst on the PGA Tour this season. But in his last three starts, gain strokes with the putter. I tried to find if he made an equipment change or if he changed technique. I couldn't find that um, on Google. If you know anything about it, let me know. Um, but he's gain strokes putting the last three three starts. He's coming to a place where he has incredible course history. He clearly likes the course after the win and playing here frequently. And just last year, finished in a tie for 13th. And just last year on the PGA Tour, he made it to the Tour Championship, was to one of the top 30 players in the FedEx Cup playoffs, solo second at the BMW Championship, had a span of six tournaments between the Travelers and the BMW Championship, where he finished in the top 13, five out of six times. So he's a guy like Kevin Kisner who's shown us that he has a higher ceiling than the guys in his odds tier are than the, the guys in his odds tier. I bet Charlie Hoffman instead of him because the numbers for Hoffman were about twice the odds. And I think they're similar players, if not Hoffman a little better, especially with the relevant proximities. So I don't have the statistical backup like I do for Charlie Hoffman being elite with the short irons and on long irons on the par fives. But I think it's a spot where Scott Stallings could be a sneaky play. He's 16 to one for top five, seven to one for top 10, uh, plus 320 for top 20, plus 120 for top 40. I wanted to bet him at plus 200 for top 40, but he's plus 120. So there's absolutely no value there. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on Scott Stallings and if you might have an inclination of where to bet him, maybe it's DFS or some other way. I don't know where would be the best area to bet him. I, I would say, I think he's an intriguing DFS play. There should be yep. low ownership around him. He's kind of that GPP dart throw that you can take a shot on for all the reasons that you talked about. Uh, really good Donald Ross player inside the top 40 of my model there. Inside the top 25 for me, an expected weighted strokes gain total. Um, I, the problem is, is he's a little too low in my model for what I would actually deem bettable, I guess, to win this. I think there's technically value on the number that you're getting, but there's other players that I would rather go to. Now, Charlie Hoffman would be one of them. I couldn't quite get there either on him, but he was a name I strongly considered. I I really like any of those placement bets uh, that we've talked about involving him potentially, but uh, I like Stallings this week. I, I think he's somebody that you should keep an eye on. All right. So while we have a chance, wanted to give a quick reminder that Links and Locks is presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. They believe that every sport should be epic. Every touchdown, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION, that's A-C-T-I-O-N, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older only. Must be present in Colorado, Kentucky, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, fellas, where else can the people find you and your content this week? I'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, at StixPicks on Twitter, S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S, and at BetterGolfPod on Twitter as well. 
we will uh, likely be doing another draft with the community on underdog. So check that out and we're, uh, we'll be giving away some free money. Um, but yeah, that's about it. What's better than free money. Check them out. Spencer. How about you? You can find me over on Twitter at Tee Sports. I will have a round one article that will be posted on Wednesday over here at Action Network. And if you like any of the numbers that Roberto read off or I read off today, you can check out my model over at Roto Baller. Make a copy of it, weigh the data how you want, see where I have everybody ranked every single week. So uh, be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Super helpful tool. Look through it every week. Uh, and I recommend you do the same. Uh, Want to give a shout out to... Our producers, Matt, uh, Noah, Sophia, everybody who helps us get this podcast posted for you guys as soon as possible. Thanks for their work on the back end. want to give a shout out. Uh, Spencer, you mentioned his name earlier when you talked about traveling across the world like our friend Obear is doing this week. Sungjae Im played in the Asian Games, and they have an individual portion, but they also have a team portion. He and the South Korean team, which also includes our guy, Siwoo Kim. Siwoo. He won by, I believe, 25 shots over the second place team, which I think was Thailand, which is not important because we bet on him, but it's important because Koreans, South Koreans, have to do a mandatory two years of military service unless they get a medal in the Olympics or a gold medal in the Asian Games. With that gold medal for the team for South Korea, Sung Jae Im and Siwoo Kim both now get to bypass that two-year military service. They have just a two-month uh, training that they still have to do. But two months, much shorter than 24. Very excited for those two. Hopefully that means we have a better chance of cashing our outrights on them because they're a little less stressed, even though um, shouldn't be stressed for a PJ Tour tournament. doesn't matter for their military service. But excited for them. Shout out to those two. Shout out to Team South Korea. Congratulations for winning the Asian Games. And once again, you can find all of our content here on the Action Network website, the app. Spencer's got that uh, Thursday matchup article coming out tomorrow. I will have a first round leader article out tomorrow as well. So be sure to check that out. And then we'll also have bets throughout the tournament um, each night. So be sure to check those out when those go live. And a wise man once said, take care of your chicken. And we hope that you take care of your chicken this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.